All right, week seventeen. Uh, Mike is uh, probably has probably been arrested or uh, has fled the country, so he won't be joining us today. So we got. Mike. I think I read that he got his fly stuck, and he's uh, doing a, something about Mary, and he's being wheeled to the emergency room right now. Yeah, tell him to use peanut butter. So we got uh, we got some games cooking. Yes, we do. First game I can see is the Raiders and the Broncos. Broncos three and a half point favorites. The Raiders could still make the playoffs. I'm hearing. Didn't you tell me that? Yes, the, the their scenario actually includes some NFC teams winning as well. They need to have more magic than David Copperfield could ever come up with. They got lucky last week with the magic, so yeah, could you picture the Raiders coming out of the darkness and their last time in Oakland beat, making the playoffs? Yeah, Raiders, uh, like I said last week, the Raiders sometimes do things that they're not supposed to do, but one thing I've noticed with them, they're not going to do it twice. I'll take Denver and the points. Well, I like I like the Raiders. I think Drew Locke has been called Drew Luck lately, and it's about time for people to figure out the end-of-the-season rookie quarterback. Plus, Gruden can smell the playoffs, and people were naysayers about his hire and 10 years, 100 million. So I think the Raiders are going to pull it out. But here's an interesting fact I heard yesterday. The Chargers may not re-sign Phillip Rivers. And the Raiders organization is looking for a marquee name to go to Las Vegas. So they might do the cardinal sin and sign Phillip Rivers to open the new stadium in Vegas next year. You're kidding me. You you really think that Phillip Rivers, in lieu of retirement, will run over to the Raiders? You know what? That sounds about right. But let me ask you this, on a side note. Eli Manning, he looks like he's done in New York. Do you think that that guy is going to try to play a few more years or what? I think he's going to get a tryout in Jacksonville, which is what they talked about before Nick Foles won the Super Bowl. Because he's got that southern state, southern bayou connection. What I think is going to happen and as we've been talking about this for weeks, Cam Newton goes to Chicago. Philip Rivers goes to Carolina because he owns a plantation. I know that that's maybe a dirty word, but a plantation <laughs> <laughs> over there. And I could see the Chargers picking somebody in, in the draft. Wow, that is uh, very interesting. Anyway, next game. Or, uh, okay, next game. You made your pick? You uh, made your yeah, pick? I, took, I took the Raiders, yeah. Okay. Next game, the emerging Cardinals against the flambéed Los Angeles Lambs. The Lambs are a six-point home favorite. They can't lay a turd on their last game playing in the Coliseum. So I think the Cardinals are going to rest everybody. They'll pat themselves on the back and say, hey, we won more games than the world gave us a chance. And 
once the torch goes out today at the Coliseum, the Rams will win, and I actually think they'll cover the six points. If you got a rookie quarterback over there like Kyler Murray who is playing good in spots, there's no way you're going to take your, your foot off the gas here. I, I, like, uh, I like the Cardinals to go ahead and uh, beat that spread. Maybe not win outright, but keep it, keep it interesting. I heard that Kyler Murray's a little banged up, so I don't know if they're – I don't think he's a game-time decision, but I know he's on the, I think, questionable list. Really? I didn't see that. Well, I've been busy this week. All right, let's move on. Next game. The first place Philadelphia Eagles are playing the Eli Mannings. Philadelphia is a three-and-a-half-point road favorite. I like Philly to keep the momentum. Eli can go play with Cooper and whatever unknown Manning there is out there in the world. Jerry's world will crumble. The ginger will be out of a job. And the Eagles will be a 9-7 and team because we were worried they would be under 500, and they will host a team with a better record than they have. So I like the Eagles in this game to cover a three and a half. Um, I was thinking about this game, actually. One of the few games I was really thinking about, and I like the Giants to spoil things for the Eagles. Now, from what I understand, the Eagles can still lose, but make the playoffs if Dallas loses. I'm not sure about that. But, um... But yeah, because head-to-head, if their record is tied, I think head-to-head, either by the number of points or conference, the Eagles will take the division. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and go with uh, the Giants to shock the world here. Where do you think Eli's going to land next year? Or he's going to be doing commercials with his brother or wind up in the booth somewhere? People keep talking about um, Jacksonville just because his ex-coach is over there now. And, you know, that's a valid point. I just don't see him in a southern state. I think it's going to be mid somewhere in the Midwest or um, maybe with the Jets. You know, yeah, you got the Sam Darnold kid over there that's playing good in spots and is young and everything. But I don't think the Jets are smart enough to uh, really cultivate talent. So uh, why not? Why not do something stupid like bring Eli Manning over there? I wouldn't put it past him. He wouldn't have to worry about getting used to a new stadium since he plays in it right now. Yeah, you know, Eli Manning comes off to me as a guy that that wants to be in a city that's steeped in tradition, whether they're winning or not. That's why he didn't want to go to San Diego, you know. It's a fickle place. And I, I see Jacksonville as the same type of place. Now the Jets, uh, even Cleveland. Uh, yeah, big, well, they got Mayfield over there. They're not going to budge with him. But it's one of these uh, crappy little middle flyover states that have been in the NFL forever, he's going to end up over there. All right, next game, that was a good segue. The next game is the Cleveland Browns on the road in Cincinnati. Cleveland, surprisingly, unless they're resting everybody, is only a a two-and-a-half-point road favorite. I think this will be Cleveland in a 
walk over easily. They'll definitely cover. I think they would cover six and a half. Yeah, I, I like that. Uh, definitely Cleveland for the win, possibly winning big. Okay, next game is the Colts versus the Stashes. Oh, I mean the Jaguars. Eli Manning's new home. He'll compete with the Stash for the starting job next year. Indy is a six-point road favorite. I think the Jaguars are just packing it in. Uh, Jacoby Brissett wants to prove himself. I think there's actually still an outside chance somewhere that it's more remote than the Raiders, but that Indy can still get in. Maybe I have my facts wrong, but something about them being 8-8, and if the world blows up, they can make the playoffs. So I like Indianapolis to cover the six on the road. Yeah, it's a division game. Jacksonville has played uh, Indy tough at times. I'm going to go with Indy for the uh, the reach around. Oh, right. Okay. That's a good reference for this time of the morning. <laughs> okay, the next game on the list is actually the game of the century. The Niners and the Seahawks. Niners are three-and-a-half-point road favorites. I like the Niners in this game, regardless of the hype of beast mode. And I think the Seahawks are locked into their spot. If the Niners win, they will have home field advantage throughout the playoffs. So they have a lot to play for. I think their defense is... Lights out. They're running back by committee, as we said previously, as well. As long as Jimmy can hold on to the ball and number 84, whose name I keep forgetting, can catch a couple passes, I think the Niners could win easily. So I'll take the Niners and give up the three and a half. Yeah, I like the Niners here, too. Uh, Mike told me something interesting. I asked him, you, you think uh, Marshawn Lynch is in shape? And he was like, man, I just saw a video of him last week which was two weeks ago, doing shots in some parking lot outside of a strip club. Um, I yeah, he was passing out shots of tequila. Not because he was the one with all the all the hooch. So he wasn't taking shots. He was, but he was passing it out as well. He was uh, uh, Mr. Rogers of the neighborhood. And then I'm watching, um, you know, some NFL clips of a uh, warm-up with uh, Marshawn Lynch in Seattle's uh, in a Seattle hoodie. And I'm wondering, everybody else is kind of wearing, you know, they're all wearing Seattle stuff. Nobody's wearing their jerseys. But he seems to be one of the only people that's wearing a hoodie. And it looks extremely baggy underneath, which tells me that he's wearing one of those, you know, those plastic shirts or whatever. You know what I mean? To, to get warmed yeah. up, but even under that, he looks a little fat, man. I would, I'm really interested to see what he looks like when he suits up. He doesn't look like he's in great shape, but anyway, beyond that, the guy hasn't taken a snap in 14 months, no contact for 14 months. He's going to come out there cold. I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, you know, God forbid he, um, he got hurt. But getting back to the game, uh, yes, Seattle's at home. 
The Niners have not beaten Seattle at home since 2011. That is huge, but the Niners seem to be rolling. Uh, they're getting back a few guys from injury, and uh, Seattle is uh, losing people to injury. I'm going to take the Niners with the three and a half. Okay, next game is a battle for New York, the Jets and the Bills. Bills, I think I heard, are locked into the fifth spot. They are one-point home favorites. Uh, why waste more breath on this game? It's the Bills. Yeah, they can win by 101. Yeah, they can sit their starters and still win this game. Let's move on. Okay, next game is Pittsburgh in Baltimore. And it looks like everybody is being rested on the Baltimore side because Pittsburgh is a two-point road favorite. So I think uh, Trent Dilfer is going to start today for the Ravens. That's how they really don't care about this game. <laughs> so I, I like Pittsburgh in this game. Yeah, I keep hearing things that the Ravens are going to be resting starters, and I think that's a huge mistake. You know, you, you got to where you are by keeping your the pedal to the metal, and now you're telling guys to hold back so that they can, and then they're going to be sitting out basically for two weeks, and then they got to play in the playoffs cold. Um, as far as this game is concerned, I I don't, I don't know if uh, Pittsburgh can beat Ravens, even if they sit their starters. But then again, you know, you got that Mark Roman offense, which is basically uh, mostly a um, a read option type of offense with a lot of movement and a lot of shifting. So uh, I just talked myself out of it. I'm going to go ahead and take Pittsburgh in this one. Pittsburgh actually still has a chance to make the playoffs if Tennessee loses. I don't even think it matters. I just don't think Pittsburgh is good enough to uh, even be able to use that type of motivation to will themselves to win. Uh, the Ravens are just too good. So well, you're still taking Pittsburgh? Yeah, Pittsburgh. Okay. I couldn't tell you were fence-sitting there for a second. Yeah, man. I was uh, I was going one way, and then I talked myself out of it. You Are you keeping track of these? No? Yes. All right. Yes. Yeah, next game is the Packers on the road in Detroit. Packers 12-and-a-half-point road favorites. They, with the Niners' loss, they still have a chance to be the number one seed. And I think even if the Niners win and a couple of the people lose, They'll get a first round by, like you keep saying. I've never said this before, but division games, teams that are trying to lure a new coach who coaches a university in Michigan, Jim Harbaugh. I don't know. The twelve and a half scares me. I have a feeling if the Packers get out there way ahead, there could be some late touchdowns. But my heart still wants to take the Packers. I'll take the Packers and give up the points. I'm going to take the Packers for a different reason and the points uh, because it's possible that Matt Patricia is a lame duck coach right now. 
Um, I'm sure that he would tell you that he doesn't pay attention to the media or whatever, but I'm sure he is feeling the heat. And that usually makes people do one of two things, either give up or try too hard, which has its obvious detrimental effects. So I'll, I'll take Green Bay and a blowout, no problem. Okay, next game. The Philip Rivers-led Chargers versus, God damn it, I keep forgetting, who's the quarterback for the Chiefs? Oh, that's easy. Patrick Mayholmes. Ah, there we go. Yes. The Mayholmes versus the Rivers. The Mayholmes are nine-point home favorites. Again, if this game gets to be a blowout, there might be some late scores. I didn't look it up today, but I think the Chargers are pretty good against the spread. Most of the games they've lost have been less than seven points. Philip Rivers is playing for his job. So I'm going to take a flyer on him and take the Chargers plus the nine. Yeah, I'm going to take KC to win that one. I, I'm just not so sure about the uh, the line. That's a lot of points, division opponent. Um, the Chargers might find a way to play Mayhomes tough. So I will, while I like KC, I got to go with the line. So I'm going with the Chargers as well. Okay, next game. The Vikings host the Bears. Bears are three and a half point road favorites, which means the Vikings know their fate and they're not going to play anybody. I think uh, um, Foreman and the Purple People Eaters and Joe Cap will come back. So I think Chris Carter's even going to come back for this game. So I'll take the Bears uh, minus the three and a half. Yeah, I agree. It's more of a a kumbaya session than a football game. Yeah, it's the world famous how Mike says it's a a retarded pillow fight. There you go. Next game is Miami going to snowy Foxborough. New England, 17-point home favorites. That's a lot of points, but we got to remember the when Brady won his first Super Bowl against the Rams, they were 17-point underdogs. So they've had that number in their past. I think Tom Brady's got to prove himself in this game. All the naysayers have to go away. He wants to prove that he's still the favorite for the Super Bowl. So I'll reluctantly, because of the large points, take the Patriots. (laughs) I thought you were going to go the other way. I'm taking the Patriots, too. (laughs) Um, You know, I, I thought that Brady was, I kept saying it all year long, Brady's a liability, but now he's, uh, he's doing the same thing he does every year. He plays possum all year long, and now he's, uh, he seems to be playing some play, playoff football. They're, they're putting their foot on the gas now. You know how uh, Belichick is. He's not going to sit anybody, and he's going to run up the score. So, yes, I will take Brady plus the points. Minus the points. Minus the points, excuse me. Yeah. 
And, and I did make myself into a liar this week because a few weeks ago when I was going with Fitzbeard and I said I'm sticking with Miami the whole time, so I'll feel like a big tool if I, well, compared to you, I feel like a little teeny tiny tool if I Miami wins or Patriots don't cover the points. Well, you got to go with the so, winners, man. I don't blame you. Next game, the surging Falcons versus the Winston four picks every week. The game is an even. There's no line. So win and you get to pat yourself on the back. Like I said earlier, Matt Ryan must have some kind of bonuses and incentives in his contract because when he came back from that fictitious ankle injury, he's been playing lights out. I think the over-under on Winston picks are now four. So I like the Falcons in this game in beautiful 85-degree Tampa. The only reason I'm going to take Atlanta in this game is because Winston is missing his favorite target. Um, I I still see it as a a game that's going to come down to the wire, but Atlanta will win that game. Winston's missing both of his main targets. Oh, Evans and that other kid whose name starts with a G. Yeah. So you okay, had, you're taking. Yeah, if you have both of those guys, Winston will probably throw five touchdowns, three interceptions. So a, a typical. Do you think he will have a starting job next year, or they're not going to give him the bonus that he needs and the contract extension, and he'll be a traveling roadshow as a backup. You know, it's interesting from from the perspective of ownership, I would be thinking, you know, I hate I hate to pay this guy. He throws so many interceptions, but goddamn the guy throws a lot of fucking touchdowns too and goes for a lot of yards. But then you're looking at two Arians. You're looking at Arians, you're saying, well, this is the reason why this guy throws this many touchdowns. You look at every um, offense that Arians has ever been in, and he makes these quarterbacks look like stup- superstars. So what I think from uh, Jameis' uh, point of view, you got to say, it's like, well, look, man, I'm throwing the great numbers. Yeah, I'm throwing out of interceptions, but look at Brett Favre, you know? He did the same exact thing. Doesn't that guy have the all-time record for the most interceptions? You know how many... I believe so. Yeah, you know how many touchdowns you have to throw in order for a team to keep you on so that you can also be the all-time leader in interceptions? You know, if that makes any sense. But Jameis Winston, he had a great year. I think what you have to do is pay this guy give him all the money that he wants, and then draft a freaking quarterback. So I think that's what they're going to do. Yeah. So I've even heard that Bruce Arians might be on the chopping block, which I can't really believe. It's ridiculous. I didn't I didn't even think – I didn't feel like the Cardinals should have even let him go. You know, Tampa Bay and the Cardinals and teams like that and, like, Cleveland – you know, that are so willing to get rid of 
decent coaches just because they're having bad seasons. They're going to have bad seasons. It's a bad team. You're, he's inherited a bad team. So, I mean, these people just lack understanding. But at least it's uh, entertaining to watch. Yeah, I don't think Arians was let go. I think he had health problems. Come in. Yeah. Yeah, I think Arians had health problems and was thinking, oh, I don't want to die on the sidelines and spend time with his family. And then they fixed him up, and that's why he decided to come back. Okay, next game, the Saints and the Panthers in Carolina. Saints 13-and-a-half-point road favorites. I think the Saints are, if they get a big lead, they might rest people. Carolina's just a, a mess, and they're cleaning up the porch of Philip Rivers' plantation so he can come there next year. Oh, God, I said that word again. Damn it, I'm sorry. <laughs> so... I like the Saints. The point spread of 13.5 on the road is a little scary, but I think they'll win by 14, so life will be good. So I'll take the Saints. Panthers are going to win this game, and I'm going to tell you why. Michael Thomas. Thank God I'm sitting down. Michael Thomas is not there. And, you know, in past years, Peyton would be so confident in his team that he would not be looking at an Antonio Brown who hasn't taken a snap in weeks, and possibly even if you pick the guy up, it's not even a guarantee that he'll play. But they brought this guy in for a workout, which is which shows me that the Saints know that they're absolutely doomed. I think not only do they lose this uh, this game to Carolina, the Saints are one and done in the playoffs. Michael Thomas was the whole freaking team, man. There's nobody even close to how many receptions he had. This team cannot roll without Michael Thomas. Saints are finished. Did Thomas break uh, Marvin Harrison's record last week, or he still has to do it this week? That's the only incentive I could see for him playing. I have no idea, but the guy's all banged up, man. And even if he comes back for the playoffs, I don't think I don't think he's going to be a hundred percent. Right. You've been touting the Panthers for the last few weeks, and you've been on the short end of the stick. That's okay. Okay, so... No, you're familiar with the short end of the stick, right? Well, not me. Other people Oh, are. yeah, I know. That's why I put Man, my... I forgot I'm, that's why I forgot... That's why I put my cologne around my belt line. That's why I know I'm talking to um, Long Dom Silver, right? There you go. Okay, well, let me go rinse my mouth out for a second and block that image out of my brain. But it's perfect segue for this trash heap of a game. The Redskins are in the retarded homeless shelter that Mr. Finn calls Arlington Stadium. And the Cowboys are home 12.5 point favorites. I think the Cowboys will win, but I don't think they'll cover because they're terrible against the spread usually. And that's all I have to say. So I'll take Washington plus the points. I tell this to people all the time. Never bet on a Dallas game. Or better yet, don't include Dallas in your parlays. 
because they're they are bipolar. You never know what team is going to show up. Um, I, I'm going to take Dallas here just because I have to make a pick. But uh, who knows? I think it's possible that Dallas can turn over the ball six times and win this game. And uh, I think it's also possible that they get skunked by Washington. I, you know, it's it's just always scary when I see Dallas on there. I wouldn't put any money down on them, but uh, yes, Dallas is the winner. Okay, this would have been the second best game of the week if the Texans weren't resting all their players or saying that Hopkins and Watson are injured, but Tennessee goes. To Houston and Tennessee, it jumped up this morning from three and a half road favorites to six and a half to six road favorites. Tennessee win and you're in. The Tannehill train is still rolling, so I like Tennessee minus the six. You know, I kept I kept looking at that injury report and it just. It just feels really weird to me. You know, Hopkins, granted, but Watson, them not possibly not playing him, is he doubtful or just questionable? Oh, I think he's out for sure. That's why the spread went up two and a half this morning. Oh, who's playing behind him? Oh, God. I was going to say Matt Schaub, but I don't think he's there anymore. I'm not sure who's there. (laughs) Matt Schaub. Uh, you know. <laughs> oh, oh no, no, Dan Pastorini, that's who, who's there. Oh, God. All I need to do and is... And they're bringing back Will, Billy White Shoes Johnson, too. Um, I want to take Houston. Just because. Okay. What the fuck? Why not? Okay, well, that covers all the games. Did you see on Christmas Day the Battle of Los Angeles? The LeBroners against the... Clippers. Wait a minute. Before we get into that, I want to take note that we're at the 30-minute mark here, and Mike is not here. Usually, it takes us an entire hour. How is it that out of three people, only one person is missing, and we're able to get through this podcast in half the time? I think Mike is um, is holding us back here. You know what? He's fired, man. <laughs> no, I I think the the opposite. He riles up each of us and goes out on his little mini tangents and he does a lot of revisiting past prognostications and he will give credit where credit is due when one of us was brilliant and put the other paid prognosticators to shame. Oh, and so here's the biggest thing that he does. He, no matter what you're talking about, you can be talking about boxing. He will always be able to reframe it and turn it into a Niner uh, discussion and pretty seamlessly too. Pretty smooth at it. So he's comparing every single team, every single sport we talk about to the Niners. Wow, are you claiming that he's a a homer for the Niners? Now, see, I'm not a Niner fan anymore. I like the Niners. 
and I root for the Niners. But as soon as they start losing, I'll tell you right now, I'm going to stop rooting for them. Because they're not, uh, they're not sending me any checks. Fuck them. Unless they're winning. Yeah. Then go Niners. I think Mike could see a band of toothless coke whores on the corner and compare it to a Joe Montana-led Super Bowl Niners team. Now, I cut you off about this Lakers game. I, I didn't catch it. What What was going on? The Lakers were two-and-a-half-point favorites. I had a friend of mine who was headed out to Vegas. Hopefully, he got there on time. I told him, take the Clippers and the points and also lay that the Clippers would win by four. If I remember right, they actually won by five. And LeBron is the oldest 37-year-old man I've ever seen in my life. The groin injury that put him out for 27 games last year has flared up again. And you well know the two spots on a man's body that if you get injured, never heal it perfectly, are the groin and the hamstring. So it was a competitive game, but the Clippers won out, so... Hopefully, when I see this guy in 2020, he'll say, uh, I'm showing you the money. You know, ever since the Lakers took LeBron, I was almost as happy as a Laker fan was. Being a Laker hater, I'm always happy when they're making stupid moves. Everybody in the world could see that LeBron was on his way down on a steep decline, and uh, the Lakers had to keep the showtime thing going. So here we are. And I have plenty of ammo for Laker fans. Well, bring it on. Because I knew Magic Johnson's the reason why LeBron came here, supposedly. LeBron wants to be a movie star. He does the Sprite commercials. He's the star in, of all things, Space Jam 2. What brilliant movie scientist said, let's bring back this turd fest. And the whole organization is a joke. They are now the professional basketball equivalent to the UCLA Bruins. Bruins used to be on every show, every cast, the house that wouldn't build, and they could lose to the gorgeous sisters of St. Mary's. So people have to realize your time comes and then goes, and every time the Lakers lose, I pat myself on the back because I predicted that they would be a disaster. Yeah, I'm with they've you. lost five games. They've lost five games now in a row. I'm with so you. So they've got to go on a big East Coast swing next month. So they might make the playoffs, but I think they're one and done for sure. I'm with you, but tell me about. This tonight there is a big fight happening. Tank Davis versus Gamboa. Now, are you familiar with uh, Tank Davis at all? I've heard the name. I'm not that familiar with him, but I I know a lot about Gamboa. All right, now May uh, Tank Davis is Mayweather's boy. He's this guy that he's grooming, aka holding his hand throughout his career. And, you know, Tank Davis, as a side note, Tank Davis is one of the most protected prize fighters that I've ever seen. 
as many fights as that guy's had, I don't have his record in front of me, but as many fights as he's fight, fought nothing but taxi drivers and freaking, you know, bums his entire career. And he's just laying these guys out. He has not had one person that could put up a fight. Gamboa, yes, he's past his prime a little bit, but Gamboa is going to hit him back. And I'll say this again about Tank Davis. I forget who he was fighting against, but he got caught with this clean shot. And when I saw his face, his face for a split second told me that he wanted to run out of that ring. I am, it's not so much about Tank Davis's chin that I'm concerned about. It's his, um, his tolerance for pain. I'm going to go ahead and say that, yes, Tank Davis is probably going to win this fight, but Gamboa is going to expose Tank Davis here. Yeah, I just looked him up. Tank Davis is 22-0, 21 knockouts. But the way you described him was the beginning of Mike Tyson's career, where all he literally would fight taxi drivers, bartenders, bugs off the street to inflate his record to get the potential big money fight. I I like Gamboa. He gets in there. He fights with his heart and soul. He takes shots, gives out shots. So hopefully Mayweather doesn't convert this guy into the shoulder-sliding belly dancing thing that Floyd made his career out of. So I would like to, um, I like Gamboa to rock his world and we can watch Mayweather cry. Well, Mayweather's not training this guy, so he's just promoting him. Now, Tank Davis has more of a, he's more of a, a puncher than a defensive stout fighter. You, you know, he has... Yeah, well, uh, and- Anything that Floyd's got money on, he's got some influence. It's like saying that Jerry Jones doesn't actually run the Cowboys. Yeah, you know, Mayweather, he's he's done some diabolical puppetry with this guy's career. You know, hats off to him. He's making money. Um, but at least he's starting to put his toe in the water as far as uh, fighting some real competition. I'm looking forward to this fight, and um, let's see if Tank Davis can prove me wrong. I don't think he will. How did you like this? Anthony Joshua volunteered to be the sparring partner for Tyson Fury in preparation for his fight with Deontay Wilder. That's uh, very interesting because Anthony Joshua's power and timing is not nearly as good as um, on uh, Deontay Wilder's. I don't see how he's going to be able to help besides his height. Yeah, I I think that Joshua is committing a major crime here, realizing, well, I don't think I could ever beat this guy, meaning Fury. So let me go help him beat another guy. If you're a top contender and you want to be the king of the world, you don't offer to spar and show your wares. 
to a potential opponent. But I still remember when Tyson Fury acted like the WWF Undertaker when we were about to count him out. And at 9 and 9.9 seconds, he rose back from the dead. So the man's a rock. I still don't understand that. Every time I watch it, it looks like a movie, looks like a robot or something. Nobody, the way he got up, okay, he's flat on his back, and then he just raises his torso up. Like uh, like a Betsy Wetsy doll or whatever one of those dolls were back in the day that would kind of like crawl around and walk. It it just didn't make sense. A, a man that big. I'm a big man. And laying straight on my back like that and basically doing a sit-up is not an easy task. Especially after uh, 11 and a half rounds of a fight. Why would he rise like that? Why would he get up like that? I'm a conspiracy theorist type of guy, so it just looked weird to me. It's like somebody pushed a button and he got a shock and just rose up. But, yeah, the guy suffered from serious depression. He is a newfound Christian so some higher power lifted him up and said, this is not your time to lose this match. So I don't know, it was ultra freaky. And that fight happens on February 22nd. So we've got several weeks to go back and revisit the ins and outs of the first fight. Yeah, I'll be looking forward to that fight. Uh, Fury, he's an interesting character. Big man, has really good... Uh, footwork, really good upper body movement. I mean, it's quick. Maybe not so much with his hands, but it's just his, he, this huge frame that this guy has, the way he moves around, he just really shouldn't be able to move like that. And then you got Wilder, who has not really had a lot of great skill his, in the beginning of his career, but because he has so much power, He's able to learn on the job. Um, it's going to be a good fight. Yeah, who do you see Pacquiao fighting next after he beat Terrence Crawford? Um, if he fought Terrence Crawford, I don't think that he would beat Terrence Crawford. Um, Isn't that who he beat? No, he didn't. he didn't fight Terrence Crawford. He beat uh, Keith Thurman. Oh, Keith Thurman. Yeah. But the real boogeyman, and, and this you're not going to see this fight happen, but the real boogeyman at, uh, what are we talking about, 135 or 140? The real boogeyman is Sean Porter. If not for the help of the referees, Sean Porter would have already beaten the top guys. If you watch those fights and you turn off the uh, the volume, you put it on mute, and you watch that fight, you can't tell me that Sean Porter did not beat all those guys. Now, put Sean Porter in the ring with Pacquiao, and you got the fight of the decade. Yeah, I think they're, they were talking about that at the Pacquiao-Thurman fight. I think Sean Porter was in the crowd and they decided to 
not have them go in the ring and interview, but I think that's where they're pointing the Pac-Man towards. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be really interesting because Sean Porter is this high-energy swarmer. This guy's throwing punches for 12 rounds, not really letting off the gas, and he stays in your chest. And then we already know what Pacquiao can do. I stylistically, I don't even know how to call that fight. I think uh, you yeah. know what I I would make a prediction. I think that the, with Porter's style of fighting and the fact that he changes, he makes everyone change their way of fighting. He makes you stand in the middle of the ring and exchange with them. You have to. There's no way to fight Sean Porter without standing in the ring and uh, sitting there exchanging with them. You can't sit there and box and slip and move around. He's too close. He closes the distance too well. You can't sit back and wait for him to run into your right hands or these little counter shots because it just doesn't work with him somehow. Um, I think that the last thing Pacquiao would want to do at this point of his career is stand there with a younger guy and exchange, but I think he would have to. It would be an explosive fight. Yeah, I'm looking it up when last fall, oh no, not last fall, a couple months ago, Errol Spence fought Sean Porter, and it was 116-111 on two cards for Spence and 115-113 for Porter. I missed that fight. Did you see that, and what was your scorecard oh, yeah, for that? I watched it, man. Um, I don't remember what my scorecard was, but up until I think it was about the ninth round, and Errol Spence caught Sean Porter uh, and dropped him. Up until that point, I had Sean Porter up by two rounds. Um, after that, I had the fight a a draw. Okay. Yeah, so the judge who still, after the knockdown, gave Porter a decision of 115-112 must have been the same way you were. He must have had him up by, you know, two rounds more. So Yeah, it was a split decision, right, if I remember correctly. Yeah, split decision to Spence Jr. Yeah. All right. Well, All right. I guess it's time to wrap it up. All right. All right. Good show. Good talk. See you soon. See ya.